So a lot of even when I do readings for other people, it's like you can just finally relax into who you knew you were. Like you can stop pretending, you can stop like trying to explain yourself. You're listening to The Self-Worth Edit, the podcast inspiring South Asian women and beyond to quit playing small and start trusting the power and wisdom within. Join me, Noshin, on Mondays as I share insightful conversations, tips for healthier ways of thinking, and lessons in healing our relationships with ourselves. Thanks for tuning in to the Self-Worth Edit. Here we go. Welcome back. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving if you celebrated last week, and I hope you had a chance to complete the homework I assigned you. Hey, I can't help it, former teacher over here. I had asked you to find out your birth time. Did you do it? Because this week's episode is an interview with Rubina Ianigro on an introduction to human design. Rubina is an intuitive life and business coach specializing in human design and the founder of The Gray Muse, where she followed her heart to go from idea to building a multiple six-figure pin business in 15 months from her craft space. She also founded The Aura Market, a gift shop for the human design obsessed. You can find links to all her shops and social profiles in the show notes. If you've never heard of human design before, then this episode is a great starting point. There is so much ground to cover with this topic. I know when I first discovered human design, I fell into a black hole of reading and learning all I could about it, so maybe this will inspire you to do the same. If you want to know your human design type before you listen, then go to jovianarchive.com, the link is in the show notes, input your birth date, time, and city, and then you'll receive your body graph or human design chart. So if you like, then hit pause, go do that, and then come back and hit play to learn more about your results. All right, let's hit it. What really happened is the guy that channeled Ra-Urahu, he channeled all this, I I think it was in the 80s. And what happened is like, it's taking a lot of the information that already existed, but made it more understandable for our, you know, modern people, modern folks in a way for us to actually apply it and use it, learn about ourselves, learn about other people. So it's not like he came up with brand new information. It's just he was able to channel what was out there, what people were already using in different parts of the world, and then made it into a very comprehensive system that everyone, when they learn about it, in different countries, they do use it. You know, like a lot of people are becoming aware of the system now, and it just resonates with a lot of people who start to understand it. Definitely feels comprehensive. And before we go any further, I'm operating on this episode as though someone is brand new to human design. Like before we get into talking about the body graph and the centers, Mm -hmm. and you know, people are going to be like, what's a body graph? What's a center? And so (laughs) I do want to break down, where do you recommend people go and find their body graph? So when I used to Google and still do Google human design, there are a few sites that do pop up. And the one of the main ones was Jovian Archive, J-O-V-I-A-N. This is where I used to pull charts. This is, you know, they have a description of each type, you know, they go over everything. So that would be a great place there. You know, they can get free resources there. What information do you have to plug in? Your birth date, birth time to the exact minute, and your birth place. So city, country, 
Um, so it is that is going to be calculated based on the time you were born and where you were born. And if there are a lot of people who don't know their birth time, so it's best to like work with either an astrologer or someone. There are apps on there where you could do time rectification. To you would put in different like life events, like major events, to kind of narrow down like a 15 minute period or half hour. And then you can pull different charts and see what resonates. It's all about experimentation. Yeah, I remember this is when I texted my parents and was like, where's my birth certificate? Please find (laughs) it and tell me what time I was born so that I can plug this in. So you plug that information in and you get back the body graph. And what would you say, I know this is maybe a hard question, but what are like the key elements of a chart? Oh, this is not a hard question. Okay, good. <laughs> after, after I've been experimenting for a few months, I've, I've found myself coming back to these uh, four main things, which is your type. It will say whether, you know, which energetic type you are. This is really important because it'll help you understand your energy type. Then your authority. This is how you make decisions, like your inner wisdom, your body's wisdom. So you, you need to be able to know that, how to make decisions, how to move forward forward with things know what to like whatever next step you need to take this is really important for every time you get stuck or confused then it's your strategy which is based on your type this is how you move forward with whatever decision you finally do make because once you make a decision not everyone's designed to just take action some people have to wait (laughs) some people have to wait uh, to respond to something other people have to respond to invitations and there's one type that actually has to wait a full lunar cycle <laughs> so everyone is designed differently and then the fourth thing that i've realized has been really important is your profile because that's a combination of your conscious and unconscious personality traits so this is how you express yourself so this is where a lot of types even when they're different can relate to each other because of their personality traits. So I would tell people to focus on type, authority, strategy, and profile. Everything else is just kind of for those who are like fanatics and love to dig deeper. But really those four elements are what everyone should be experimenting with first and get really comfortable with that. I want to dig into those a little bit. So there are five types. So can you tell us, can you take us through the five types and the key pieces to know, maybe the strategy to know or whatever you think is important to know for each of them? Sure. So there are some differences of opinion here. There are actually four types, four aura types. So in terms Ah, of your aura and what they're like, generators and manifesting generators, they have the same aura. So I'll start with them. So generators have a very warm, inviting aura. They're here to, they have the sacral center defined. That's how, if you have the sacral center defined, you're a generator or manifesting generator. And so they're here, they have the sustainable energy to have output of energy like work. It could be creativity, it could be any task that you do, but they're the ones who can actually sustain energy to do work. Everyone else has, does not have that, the sacral defined, so they don't have the, um, the energy source consistently. We can tap into it. All of us can obviously work. But if we're, if let's say projectors and manifestors are working the way generators do, like nine to five, double jobs, like a lot of output, they're going to get burned out faster because their body's not designed to have that kind of consistent output. Generators are here to respond to things. Their strategy is to wait to respond. So every time they have to make a decision, it depends on their authority, but they always have to check in with their sacral. So their response to some of it can be, you know, like wait for a sign or whenever you have to make a decision, they're checking in with their body 
And everyone kind of has a different way of experiencing what a yes or no feels like. So it's not something we can teach you. It's something that you experiment with. So what does it feel like when you make a decision and you say yes, and then, you know, it works out great. And you like look back on like, what were you feeling at that time? Was your like, were you feeling tingly? Was your like, you could just really feel it in your belly or somewhere in that area. And what did a no feel like? Where you did you feel constricted? Did you feel like because uh, oh, some people do? You know how some people are like, I shouldn't have done that. I knew I shouldn't have, <laughs> so they were ignoring their body's wisdom. And so that's how you learn is by experimenting and doing. You know, like making a decision and then looking back on it, reflecting on it, and then you get better at that. Then you know when that feeling comes up again that you know what to do. This this feels like a yes, or I remember this was definitely a no. And so with generators, definitely check in with their sacral, their body's wisdom. Manifesting generators, the difference between them and generators is they have a a motor center that's connected to the throat. There are four motor centers on the body graph. Uh, Motor centers are where you can tap into energy to be able to do work. So some motor centers, like the sacral center is like very powerful. Once it becomes activated, you can do a lot. So that's why only generators and manifesting generators have it. Then you have the root center, the emotional center, and then the ego center. And so the ego center is more like uh, you have like this burst of energy. It's because it's a center for desire and motivation. So you can do so much, but then your recovery period, you have to rest. <laughs> um, that is some me. People, that's me too. <laughs> I have the ego defined. And then you have the root center, where it's kind of like these people are able to tap into an internal sense of pressure. Like they can create that pressure for themselves whenever they need to work. And then the emotional center, when they feel like it, when they're in the mood for it. So it depends on which, if you have all four motor centers, you're very powerful. You can do so much and you, you have to do it because you have so much energy inside you. So the manifesting generators have like that motor center and then to the, it's connected to the throat. There's like a direct line or channel. And what that means is that the throat is a center for communication and action. So if you have this motor center activated and it's connected to the throat, you tend to do things like fast, you take fast action, you communicate fast. So the manifesting generator, like the generators would be someone who takes their time. They want to master one thing. They want to focus one thing at a time. They have the sustainable energy, but they're not moving as fast as the manifesting generator. There are some generators that can do that. But you usually can tell because the manifesting generators have like multiple things going on. They're the ones on Instagram with so much content videos. Like they're just always like popping out content. (laughs) Everyone's like, we can't keep up with them. (laughs) They're really passionate. They really love what they do. Um, So that's generally kind of the the difference between those two. So that's one aura type. They both um, have that inviting, warm aura. Then you have the manifestors which is me. <laughs> and um, me. <laughs> I did want to mention that the generators and manifesting generators make up about 65% of the population. So they are the bulk of what the world, like they're here to do things. They're here to create, build. And most of us have been conditioned to work like generators and manifesting generators, which is why so much, even they can get burnt out if they're not following their strategy or their authority. If they're doing work that they don't love, they, they don't want. Everyone has the, the tendency, they can get burned out. So everyone should be following their strategy and their authority. Manifestors make up about, uh, I would say, 8 to 9% of the population. So they're not very common. So 
less than one out of every 10 people that you meet would be a manifester. They're here to initiate. We're, we're like the, you know how Nike says, just go do it. We're those people. <laughs> so we, we will get ideas or things that we want to do and we can just go do it versus where the man, uh, generators have to actually wait for that response. And the manifesting generators can actually initiate. They do have um, some of the manifestor uh, qualities, but they still have to wait for the sacral response. So manifestors can initiate. We always want to just go and do things. We have like this strong urge. We're like the lone wolf, the misunderstood type. Um, You know, people will call us resist, you know, like we're resistant to things because we want to do things our own way. We are here to bring new things into existence. So that is definitely going to uh, impact people around us, trigger people, you know, uh, people want to control us. We hate being controlled. And the one way to really reduce our resistance is what our strategy is to inform. So our strategy helps us, you know, to reduce our non-self theme, which is anger for manifestors. So we're supposed to be informing before we act. So once, let's say we get an idea, we just, we check in with our authority, make that decision. And then we ask ourselves, who's going to be impacted by this decision? Then go inform them. So, you know, if you're, you have to work on a long project, let your family know. It's not asking for permission. It's just so that nobody else is like, where are they? What are they doing? Why are they taking so long? They just know like, okay, this person's going to be, you know, really involved this many days. And I, either you can support them or get out of their way. <laughs> this is the, the point of informing is to reduce that resistance. And so I've started to do that even more. I realize the wisdom behind it. It doesn't come naturally. And like I said, it's a lot of this is experimentation because we've been deeply conditioned. So it's practicing communicating better, really standing in our power, knowing that, okay, this is something I really want. I'm just going to inform and it's not my responsibility to help them understand or to agree with me. I'm going to get it done. I'm just letting you know. And so we're here to look for that sense of peace. So when we inform and then we initiate, you know, we're carrying out these, uh, acting on these urges. And so we feel so great because we're doing what we're designed to do. It's bringing things into existence. And so manifestors will feel a lot better when they inform, they initiate, and then they feel that sense of peace. Then we have projectors. They make up about 20% of the population and their strategy is to wait for recognition and then invitation projectors are one of the most frustrated um, types because their aura is they say it's penetrating it's because they just really deeply see people so you can tell who the projectors are you feel seen by them recognized by them you can feel like their eyes on you <laughs> they can see you But, you know, most people don't like unsolicited advice. They don't want to know things unless you they're asking you to. So it's kind of like with projectors, you have a lot of wisdom. You know, you have so much to share. You have gifts, talents. You're here to guide us, mentor us, tell us how to do things better. But you have to wait for that recognition. Practice what that looks like for you. So like when you're patient, you will be rewarded because it's an energetic thing. People will recognize you. You could just focus on mastering your craft and just practice waiting to like actually share advice or, you know, your wisdom that I know that they're just itching to tell us things, (laughs) but they do feel resentment and bitterness if it's not recognized. And so it's really just about being patient because you will be recognized for it. Yeah, I have some projectors in my life and 
hearing that even as a non-projector is like, oh, okay, I get it. Because for me, sometimes it would be, I would take it personally too. And I'm a manifester. So already don't Mm -hmm. tell me what to do. And then especially don't tell me what to do without me asking you for it. But with this, now I can, I can also have that awareness of it's not about me. It's an urge for them. Right. And so we, we can learn to work together. So I have some projectors on my team. I recognize that they have this deep need to be seen. So like words of affirmation, just letting them know every now and then, you know, your input is so important. And initially I would get annoyed. I'd be like, I didn't ask you for anything, you know, but I had to inform in my way, in a kind way, just to let them know that I will let you know when I need to know something. And when I ask for that, then they they just gladly <laughs> tell me things. I've been practicing asking for more input. I'm usually not like that. I would always just do whatever I wanted. But when you start to recognize that projectors have this wisdom, you can tap into that. You can check in with them, ask them for advice, their input. And then you get, at the end of the day, you still get to decide what you want to do with that. But it would be... Um, it wouldn't make sense to just keep doing what you need to do without seeing if it's actually working. If you're working efficiently, you know, you're burning yourself out. So projectors have that wisdom. They have so much knowledge and gifts to share, and we should be taking advantage of that. Uh, and of course, wor- words of affirmation. I mean, we, we love it too, but they, they really, they have this need for it. Um, and I don't mean that in like, <laughs> you know, they have no sense of like their own inner validation, but that's, the energies, they just get so excited, so happy. They feel successful knowing that they're seen for their gifts. And then we have the reflectors, which make up less than 1% of the population. And that would be my daughter. (laughs) Um, They have all open centers, which means that they're receiving um, energy from other people. The one of the difference between projectors and reflectors, because projectors do have a lot of open centers, but they actually absorb the energy from the person around them. So if they can, t- if they're if they're around generators a lot, they're going to pick up on that sacral energy and work a lot. Like they can tap into the energy source. Whereas reflectors simply sample it and reflect it back to you. They're just mirroring it. They're not holding on to the energy. They're not going to get burnt out as much as the projectors are. Reflectors are here just to mirror things back, to amplify your own energy. So they help you to see you. So they're really wise, really gifted. For them, it's really important to be in safe environments, good environments with people around them because they don't have their own internal authority. And so when they have to make decisions, it depends on who's around them and what kind of energies around them. If they're around negative people, they're going to tend to make bad decisions or decisions that are not healthy for them. Whereas if they're around good people, they can use them as a sounding board. And for them, they have to wait out the full lunar cycle, which is 28 and a half days. And the purpose of this is so that they can gather all the information, understand their cycles, their moods, their emotions, and then they start to see patterns like, okay, this is kind of like the highs and lows I go through or what I experience. And then they under- start to understand their patterns. It doesn't mean like for every decision, they're going to wait a lunar cycle. But for certain decisions, if they can't decide, it's because their body's gathering all the wisdom throughout those, like, you know, based on the new moons, the full moon, and because that does impact your mood and how you are in your energies. It's much better to wait the 28 and a half days and kind of wait to see like what shows up for you. Do you keep your daughter's type as a reflector in mind with how you parent her? (laughs) I mean, 
not all the time, but I do realize that she, you know, like when she has a lot of energy or if she's frustrated, I tend to, I started checking in with myself. Like, am I tired? Am I frustrated? Am I going through something? Because she's reflecting the energy back to me because she's actually very different around everybody. So she's very, very energetic around me, <laughs> like hyper. Wow, that's so interesting. And your daughter's young still. She's right? two and a half, yes. Okay, that's very I mean, it's cool, also but... because she's a toddler, but... <laughs> yes, yes. But being, being able to kind of even know for yourself, like, let me look mm-hmm. at myself here. So one thing I just want to clarify for anyone listening before I ask you my next question is you've mentioned the centers. And so let's go back to the beginning when we said you get a body graph Mm -hmm. and it's literally, it looks like a person sitting and you have these nine centers, right? There are Mm -hmm. nine centers throughout the body graph and they can be defined or undefined. And so we won't go too much into detail here on that. But when Rabina is talking about the centers being defined or undefined, that's what she's talking about. So when you mm-hmm. get in there, you'll see it. And then you can go down a rabbit hole on your own and explore, oh, yeah. oh I have an undefined Ajna or whatever. It'll tell you what the centers are. Um, but for anyone who's listening and wants to visualize that, there's my, not the greatest picture for your mental <laughs> map, but hopefully it gives you something. So I do want to also talk about the authority types. Mm -hmm. Can you say a little bit about what those are? Right. So there are a few authorities that are most common. So emotional authority is the most common, 47%. So a little bit less than half the population is emotionally defined. So what this means is that on the body graph, automatically, if you have the solar plexus, this is like to the right in the bottom. If you have that defined, that becomes your top authority. It just becomes the the main one. And what this means is that you are an emotional person. So you should not be making decisions when you are emotional. It's a sign that you should take your time making decisions, that you are going to experience some highs, lows, some waves. And for everyone that does look differently, some people will take a few days, some people just be a few minutes, like you get to experiment with that, like how deeply emotional you are and what you, what kind of waves you go through. And it's just for you to take your time making decisions because you don't want to make decisions when you're really like excited. <laughs> and you could, because there's some people when they make decisions, when they're excited, and then a few days later, they're like, no, I regret that. I don't have the energy for that. And so your body's wisdom is that the point of going through the waves is to get all the information that you need. Like, this is what it's going to feel like when I'm excited. This is what it feels like when I'm fearful or anxious or tired. And then after that, you kind of have a sense of calm because your body's gathered all the information and you make a decision when you're calm. Like you just know. That's you're waiting for that clarity. But if you can't decide if you're still feeling like emotionally charged, that means it's not the right time. You still have to wait it out. And most people don't know this and half the world is emotional. So they're making decisions when they're emotional. And this is when so many of my um, clients and team members, when I tell them this, when we find out they're emotionally defined, like they feel just so validated that, you know, in a world where everyone wants you to make snap decisions, there are some people that just cannot. They're always regretting it. You know, when you want to hang out with a friend, you're so excited. Two days later, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So this probably- is what I love about concepts or modalities like this because it can be so empowering. 
Mm-hmm. When you, like you said, people feel validated when they discover, oh, I'm okay the way that I am. And yes. we all are inherently, right? We have that inherent worth, but to be seen and recognized and accepted, as in this is a type, this is also a way of existing in the world, even though it might not be what we openly talk about or accept, can help you accept yourself then yes. too. And this doesn't mean that other types are not emotional. It's that their emotions are not influencing their decisions. The other one that's the main one is splenic, which is what I have. It's when your spleen is defined. So there are times when I'm emotional, but at the end of the day, when I need to make a decision, it's my spleen that's going to be the authority. So like I'm not emotionally defined. That doesn't mean I'm not emotional, but I make decisions based on intuition. And so when I found that out, I just like my entire life finally made sense where I just kind of had a, you know, I just knew what I needed to do. It would be like a very fast hit from like, you know, our intuition, wherever it comes from, you just know it. It's even hard to explain it because all the Slovenian authorities have a different kind of hit for them. And so these are the ones that can make those fast decisions. (laughs) The emotional authorities cannot. Yeah. And I will, I'll take your thought on this. I think I know what you're going to say, but so I am this, I'm, I have Mm -hmm. a splenic authority and no one who knows me would ever say I make fast decisions. I overthink like crazy. Mm -hmm. I am very, I've always been very indecisive. Finding this out was helpful because it opened my eyes to a different way of being right. But what would you say to someone who looks up their body graph. And for example, like in my situation, it says I'm supposed to be making quick decisions and be super connected to my intuition, but Mm -hmm. I'm not. What's going on? It's probably because we've been deeply conditioned. We've all been conditioned to think with our mind that it has to make logical sense. I remember I used to get always get mad because people would ask me why I wanted to do something. And I would say, I don't know. (laughs) Like I would get so like manifestor, non-self-themous anger. And the thing with that, the spleen is that it's so, it's, quiet and it only happens once so you can miss it so it's not like I always hear it because it depends on if I'm paying attention to the chatter in my mind so it's really just about practicing experimenting with it and getting you start to learn about it you start to just trust yourself it's like if you're you know if you're in your mind too much or if you're overthinking your things you know find ways to ground yourself to come back to the present and I've been doing a lot of deconditioning work for the open mind, the open ajna, which is what I have. Those are the two um, triangles that are on the top where the head are. And so when you have all these open centers, you're taking in from thing, you know, from the energy around you. So it's other people's chatter, their problems, their questions. And the work around that is to ask yourself, what is yours? What actually belongs to you? What do you need to focus on now? And I've been doing this work for weeks. So I don't like I don't really have that mental chatter like I used to. So I still think about it, but it's like the time that I spend work, like, you know, thinking about those things has reduced because of, then I just go and focus on what I need to do or just find a way to ground myself or relax. Because when, when you understand your signature, so manifestors are here to experience peace, like I've started to prioritize that. And so mental chatter doesn't bring peace. So I'm like, okay, we're not going to think about this right now. So that really helps. I would tell you to find ways to ground yourself, to you know, decondition the open head where ask yourself, is this something you really need to think about? And just start making decisions, practicing making them fast. Like the first decision that usually comes to your mind is the one that you probably should do. Such a good reminder. 
Such yeah. a selfishly, I'm taking that <laughs> such a good <laughs> reminder for myself. And I want to come back in a moment to yeah. talk more about the deconditioning, but I'll let you go on. So we talked about emotional and splenic authority. And then what else? Then the other one is the sacral, which is the pure generators. And some manifesting generators have this as well. So this is where they check in with their sacral center. So it could be within the body. A lot of people do muscle testing. Some people, have they can actually sound it out. You probably can tell who the generators and manifesting generators are because you'll ask them like a question and they're like, uh, or uh, uh, <laughs> like they're, they're actually like, they can't even help it. Their sacral is responding. And so with generators, yes and no questions are really good. Not open-ended questions because the sacral wants to be able to respond to that. When generators want to get answers, ask themselves, do I want that? They wouldn't, if you wouldn't want to ask a generator, what do you want to eat? They would just be like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> ask them, do you want pizza? No. Do you want this? Yes. Like it's so much easier because then they're able to kind of just respond from the, you know, with their body is able to just say like, no. So with generators, you want to be able to, uh, even for themselves, when they need to decide something, try to ask yourself yes and no questions. So what happens with the sacral response is, and as a manifester, I can't really truly understand this. It's like generators understand generators and manifestors understand manifestors. So I'm going to do the best I can. From what I've read about generators is that the response is either a yes or a no. But no doesn't mean no forever. It can be no right now or no ask me differently, <laughs> like different kind of question or, you know, no for now. And so it's like, you'll get the yes and no, but that doesn't mean give up on it. Come back to it later. If it's like, because generators are always responding to things. So if they keep getting signs or things keep coming up, the same thing, because they're following their desire, they're here to do what lights them up. But sometimes it's about timing. So it's like, just keep coming back to that sometimes. Kind of reminds me of a magic eight ball. Ask again <laughs> later. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so with definitely with generators, I've noticed my husband is one. It's like asking them yes and no questions really works. You talked a little bit about this, but I want to hear more about how your discovery of your type, you're a splenic manifester. We haven't even gotten into profiles, but how <laughs> has learning that you are a manifester and learning about your human design made shifts for you in your life? It's a really good question. So definitely everything has changed for me. It's not like uh, it was brand new information for me. So a lot of even when I do readings for other people, it's like you can just finally relax into who you knew you were. <laughs> like you can stop pretending. You can stop like trying to explain yourself. You're like, okay, I was doing what I was designed to do. This is just how I am. You know, it's not to say that you can just start acting like a jerk, but it's like, this is powerful information. So as a manifesto, I knew that I was here to bring things into existence, which made sense because I had started one business and I started another one. And so, you know, in the world of business, that's usually seen as like flaky. You should focus on one thing. You should master it. Like you should do all these things. And it was just like not working for me. I wanted to, I just kept having these creative urges. It made space for me to be able to just start things and manifestors are not, you know, it was okay to let projects go that I didn't have to finish everything. But if there was something that kept coming up for me, like, let's say I, I want to do an enamel pin course, I've been wanting to do it. I just don't have the energy to do it myself, but it keeps coming up for me. Like people ask for it. People ask questions about it. Like I have ideas for it. 
So now I can finally ask my online business manager to help me to create this. Like, so manifestors can ask for support. They're meant to reach out to people who can make things happen for them. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with me, that I couldn't do it myself. So really just help me to understand like what my strengths are how I can be in alignment. So if I'm here to initiate and then ask for support that people can carry out these tasks for me or help me to bring my vision to life, then I'm going to do that. That it just makes me feel so relieved. I don't have to do it all. I don't have to cry that I can't keep up with the generators. And then the informing part was really helpful with communication. So like I was already doing pretty well in business, but now I realize like as a manifesto, I'm here to create impact. So then I have to start thinking about how my actions are really impacting everyone, my customers, my clients, my family, you know, my husband, my daughter, like, how am I showing up for them? While I have the ego defined and I'm following my desires and what I want, I still have to balance it with how this is impacting the world. Like, I can't just go out and selfishly pursue all my passions (laughs) and then leave everyone behind because they're going to get angry and I'm going to get angry because I just want to be able to get along with in peace with everyone. And that part is where I get to inform them that, you know, when you stand in your power and you know what you want and you know that you have to do it, then everyone just supports you. So that has definitely helped with, you know, thinking about like my customers, my clients, my family and improve the efficiency of how I do things. And then everything just flows better. So it's, I've gotten good at detaching like outcomes, because I just trust it, that it's going to happen, it's going to work out. But I know if I get creative urges, or the desire to do something, or that splenic authority that's just telling me yes, like I just trust it. So it's like, I don't need to know why or how, but it's going to work out. It's so empowering to hear you talk about it. And it's so interesting how it truly does affect all the different buckets of your life, your Mm -hmm. relationship with yourself and with your family, your customers, your communications, your work, I mean, your entire day to day. So you now offer readings for other people. And when you have people seeking you out for that, are they coming to you with specific questions? Are there common questions or reasons that push them to come and get a reading done with you? So part of my design is like, I have the defined throat. So when I speak that people hear me. And especially if I'm speaking about things that I'm passionate about, I tell them that, uh, you know, this is really helping me. And a lot of people are just really seeking, you know, they want to understand themselves. They want to understand the people around them, like the frustrations or anger or whatever theme that's coming up in their life. I think most of us really want to be able to understand that. And we're always seeking that. So when they come to me, they just want to be able to see themselves, see what's going on with them. Like, what are they not seeing? And that's, what I was seeking as well when I looked for human design. And I had several readings done. And this is like where it goes into the advanced part of human design, where it's your cognition and like the way you learn your environment and your um, awareness. I have very masculine energy and I like structure. I like repetition. I like to try different things. And that's why it makes sense for me that I was always seeking information to learn because I need to be able to see the whole picture and figure out what that meant versus there are some passive learners that just kind of they can take bits and pieces of information and learn. So that really helped with me and I'm able to present it to people better. So every reading I've done, I've made it customized and all of them feel the same sense of relief, that validation, they felt seen, they felt like, okay, cool. Like they had some kind of um, tips, you know, like follow your strategy, your authority, and then go experiment with it. So I wasn't telling them what to do, but kind of like, these are the guidelines, go 
experiment with that, see how it resonates, see how it shows up. Because when I first started doing readings, I would just do them and then I wouldn't really know what it means until I was trying to integrate it. And even that I was overthinking it. It was like over time that the pieces just clicked, <laughs> like it just started making sense. Then I would have another reading or like I started studying the books or taking courses. So it would just keep reinforcing. And that's how integration happens. So definitely uh, now when I do readings, I tell people just experiment with your strategy, your authority, allow that to simmer, like just pay attention, just be conscious of your day to day, what shows up, you know, if it's um, your non self theme that shows up, then ask yourself, were you following your strategy? You know, what was going on? Were you thinking from your mind versus like your body's wisdom? And you really just have to, I can't tell you how to do it, you have to be able to do it. And then you learn because everyone is wise, everyone knows what they want with, you know, like, or has to figure it out on their own in their own way. And that's the wisdom that I want to bring to people is that you know what you what is good for you. Your body knows that. I'm not able to tell you. Are there any common misconceptions either floating around out there or that people you work with are coming to you with about human design that you want to set straight? I would just say that do keep it simple. Don't don't box yourself in. There's no one type that's better than another type. We're all designed differently and we're all designed to work with each other. You know, when we're all working together, it, it, there's so much more harmony. The misconception is like, I've seen people ask like, oh, you know, I'm a manifester. My husband's a projector. Like, is this supposed to work? <laughs> like, we're all, we can all work together. It's just understanding your strengths, your limitations, communicate. You know, you're at the end of the day, you're still human. This is not like the book to live by. It's supposed to just kind of help you to discover yourself or at least just increase consciousness. When you discover this information, it's not like brand new. Like, you never knew this. It's like, oh, Oh, you, it finally makes sense why I'm this way or that way um, and just gives you kind of permission to relax into who you are is what I kind of tell people. We do that, don't we? We do that all the time. Like we want the 110% correct answer given to yeah. me on a silver platter. And it's like you said, you already know it. It's mm -hmm. It's within us. And I know I struggle with it. Like it is difficult to really ground down in yourself and say, okay, I know this, this is what feels right. This is what, you know, there's some sensibility there. And we do go out asking strangers for advice on mm -hmm. our life. Like, I don't know if you read the book Untamed by Glennon Doyle, but one thing she says in there is, I found myself on the internet typing in, should I get a divorce? Literal thing that I have done. And like, looking up, are we compatible on our astrological signs? Are we compatible on our human design types? Mm -hmm. And I really like what you say about this is a guide map. Like the more you know, the better you can align yourself and live the way that's going to work for you. And that's going to help your relationships with any other kind of person. I will say that we have the capacity to be all of them. We all have the capacity to be reflectors, projectors, generators. Some of the gate, most of the gates are projector gates. So we all have to, for certain things that we do, especially throw or we speak. If let's say, you know, like over here, I was invited. I was recognized and invited to speak on the podcast. So I can talk about this versus if I just like forced myself on the podcast and started talking about this, that would be a completely <laughs> different energy. So we all have the capacity. And the, one of the things I've learned, and I'm still learning uh, more about this is I have a reflector body. So it's like, we all have times when we act like generators, times when we act like manifestors, like a lot of us initiate. 
But our main natural way of being is like our main type. That's our natural tendency or our authentic self. And that's who we're coming back to. This is what would bring us the most ease. Our signature with, with generators, it's satisfaction. With manifestors, it's peace. With reflectors, it's um awe and surprise and projectors it's a feeling of success feeling recognized and so of course like i like those feelings too like satisfaction and peace and like success but what i'm really looking for is a sense of peace like that's the top thing and so it's like you still have access to all these things and even if you're let's say your emotional authority but you have other centers defined you have a spleen defined you know some people have the ego defined you can still tap into those authorities that is so interesting. I have not heard that before. And it gives me a sense of peace, which is yeah. wonderful, <laughs> extra wonderful because that's, I'm a manifester. But yeah. it does make me feel like, oh, okay, I can play in any area. Nothing is mm -hmm. off limits to me. I'm simply going to be in a better state of flow if I go with how I'm designed. So that kind of brings me to something we talked about earlier, which is the deconditioning. And you right. mentioned that's something you've been working on for the past several weeks. So I'm curious, what has that actually tangibly looked like for you? So I actually have some of the questions written down, but day to day, it's, you know, finding myself, if I'm starting to feel anger, or like, you know, that non-self theme come up for me, irritability. I started to first check in with, did I inform anyone? Do it, does someone need to inform me? So we, we like it to go both ways. So manifestors aren't the only ones doing all the informing. Manifestors also like it when people tell them like whatever's going on, any updates, if it impacts us. So like schedule wise, like we want to be able to know what's happening. And so, you know, the questions I would check in with is, did I inform? Does someone need to inform me? Did I initiate on these creative urges? Like what's holding me back? So it's like checking in with that, like helps me to come back to like, let's, cause I don't want to feel the anger, but it doesn't mean that the anger is wrong. It's just kind of like a signal, a warning signal that, Hey, you didn't, <laughs> you didn't do this or you need to do this. Um, and it just helps me because then I, I want to be able to feel that peace throughout the day and experiment with that for the specific centers. I already know which ones trip me over. <laughs> so I've done a lot of work on the open solar plexus and finally accepted that. So when you have the open solar plexus, it means that you're an empath. We're all empaths, but you know, open solar plexus definitely because they're receiving a lot of the, they're picking up on emotional energy around them. So these are the people who are like, they go into a room and they could just feel things and they start to feel those things within themselves. So they don't know what their emotions are the other person's emotions are so then they start to feel like they need to fix things or like take care of someone or fix their moods and so i started noticing who those people are in my life that you know it just is like if someone's emotional i can't fix it for them they i have to accept that they have to go through their wave and that i have to either sit with the discomfort or find a way to ground myself so i've started to separate like how much time i spend around people who are emotionally defined and it's impacting me. 
and started asking my questions, me like myself questions about, is this my emotion? Is this my feeling? Do I need to carry this? And it's really helped me to set those energetic boundaries and be okay with, I don't have to spend all day with my family. It doesn't make me a bad daughter. Like my energy is really, you know, if I'm taking care of my energy, then I can do what I'm here to do, which is initiate new projects and new things into the world. If I'm always burnt out or emotional or taking care of other people's needs, I'm not going to be able to do what I need to do. And I'm always going to be angry about it. And so a lot of my life finally makes sense when I knew that I was doing all this and why it was like, because I was feeling other people's feelings. And then the other, I have the open root center as well. And so the deconditioning around that is that you feel external pressure to get things done. You just want to be free of the pressure. So I've started saying mantras like, I have enough time. It'll get done when it needs to get done. I'm not going to allow anyone to pressure me. Just being aware of that, that I tend to do things or finish things like really fast because I feel like there's pressure and then I'm finally going to be free. But I realize I'm always going to have something to do. Everyone's always going to, you know, have like push me or pressure me to do things. And I can set those boundaries as well. And then the open head and open ajna, majority of the world do have that open. And this is where we think about, uh, we're always looking for ideas, for inspiration. So that's the beautiful part about it is that you're open to so much possibility. But the deconditioning is when you start to take on other people's problems or think about things for far too long, or you're stuck, you're uncertain, you're like, you don't know what to do. And then the affirmations around that, that I've started to say is that, I know enough now and I can still make a decision. And then when I know more, I'll change the decision or, you know, whatever it is. It's like, there is always going to be more that I don't know. (laughs) So I might as well, because I used to be the type that would sign up for all the courses, all the coaches, like I needed to know there's something out there, like someone has a secret. And then after experimenting with so many different courses and coaches, I realized, um, no, (laughs) there's always going to be something I don't know. And it's okay. Like I still know a lot. Let's focus on what I do have. And then when it came to problems, I also started setting those boundaries, those energetic boundaries, where if, you know, other people have problems, or they're thinking about questions, and I kept stopping to answer them or try to figure it out for them, then I was wasting my energy. And so since my energy is so precious, so limited, I needed to start prioritizing that. So that really helped me was start to ask myself, like, is this really important? Do I need to worry about this right now? Can we still like make a decision even with the limited information I have? Yeah, that definitely helped me. So I'm able to make fast decisions, kind of just keep going with the flow. I still get these warning signals or sometimes some chatter and I just try to find ways to bring myself back. That's so powerful and digestible to be able to think through the different centers, the different parts Mm -hmm. of your chart and make a plan of how to decondition based on that. And I imagine that's something you help people with who you do readings for as well. So I've done initial readings for people and I go over all the centers for them and kind of give them questions to think about, you know, kind of like practice your strategy and your authority. And then I tell them, go practice that for a few weeks, like, because they all want to know the different gates and all this stuff. And I was like, this is not really important right now. (laughs) Let's focus on you learning how to trust yourself, like make your decisions see what comes up. Like it's, you're not going to change your life completely, but you're going to start to become aware of things in different ways, new ways. And I like, it's fun for me. 
So like, even if, you know, like uncomfortable things come up, it's just a way for me to become aware of a different part of me because 95% of our, whatever's going on in our mind is unconscious. So we're always going to be learning about ourselves. We're always going to be missing something. There's no way that I figured it all out, but with what I do know, like I can have fun with it. I can experiment. I'm always growing. This actually makes it exciting for me because I'm like, there's so much I'm still you know, there's so much for me to figure out. There's so much magic and uncertainty still out there. Yeah, that's been coming up a lot in my conversations. The whole 95% Mm -hmm. is in the subconscious. And I love your take on it. Like, great, more to explore, more to learn. (laughs) Rubina, thank you so much for your time today. Where can people find you, connect with you? What do you have coming up that people should know about? Oh my God. I actually have so much coming up. Like I've been, my ego has been on fire. <laughs> like love it. Tell us. So, hard. <laughs> um, so I do have a new shop that's going to be related to human design. So look for really cute products to come out very soon. I would say by October, maybe March, October, November. So I do things whenever I want, when I can get to it, but I'm hoping for a fall release. I'm still going to be doing readings. I'm doing a certification right now so I can get more structured about like the different parts of a chart. And then my focus is going to be help people with relationships. So whether it is, you know, like I do help with business. I help people start new businesses, but you know, with your partners, with your your children, uh, your parents, especially reparenting, or with yourself. And I'm so excited to be able to offer that to people. I'm going to be doing the work myself, and I can still help people with what I know. Like, I don't have to be a master. I am mastering it myself. <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram. You know, my business page is The Gray Muse with a T-H-E-G-R-A-Y-M-U-S-E. And then my personal page is my name, Rubina.Ianegro. And so I'm active on both. And I'll just be sharing, you know, I have courses coming out. And I don't know, because I'm, I'm open to whatever does happen. I kind of just go with the flow. I don't plan too far in advance. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, we'll put the show notes for all of that in awesome. to, well, into the show notes and we'll link <laughs> out to all of your stuff. And actually this episode will probably come out in November. So if your okay. shop is live, we'll link directly to that. This will be perfect timing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Great. And then I do have, I want to end with five rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Are you an early bird or night owl? early bird for sure. What's a book you think everyone should read? The Four Agreements. And what is one way you show yourself love? I just bought myself a book that, so I actually treat myself to things I like. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds so luxurious. When you're feeling down on yourself, how do you turn it around? Um, humor and connecting with people around me. So kind of like that's my way of grounding is to mm-hmm. come back to the present and remember the light things. And what's an unpopular opinion you hold? Something about being able to just say no, like you don't need to explain yourself. Yeah. Yes. Hard to do, but yeah, (laughs) but yes. All right. Thank you so much, Rubina. This has been such a fun conversation. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so glad that we're able to share this um, information with more people. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode on human design on the self-worth edit. Come on over to Instagram at the self-worth edit and let me know this week what is your human design type and tune back in next week for another episode. Talk soon.